Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we talk to the world's most creative people. I'm your host, Sourdough, your faithful, trusty, loyal, tireless host, coming at you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles, where we live and sleep. I am excited to tell you about today's show, but before I do, I want to encourage you to go to our website, notrealart.com, check out all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and like and share this episode because that helps us grow our audience. And we do it for you and we do it for them and we do it for all the good folks out there in the world who need to be inspired. So thanks for passing and spreading the word. I want to tell you about today's episode because today's episode is a little bit different. You may or may not have heard about the smart talks that we've been producing here in Los Angeles. Crew West Studio, our company, which produces this podcast, produces events. And we, as you know, have had conferences for artists in the past, professional development conferences for artists. And one of the ideas that we had this year was to create what we call smart talks, which are one Saturday a month for about three hours. We produce, you know, two or three panels of experts to take on hot topics relevant to artists working creatives today. And so they're sort of like little symposiums, I guess somebody said, but they're educational professional development events just to kind of address hot topics in real time that are relevant. And so in September, we produced our first Smart Talk. We actually have a new one coming up this Saturday. If you're in LA, please come. But actually, by the time this airs, it's going to be passed. So don't disregard that. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So September 24th, we hosted and produced and I moderated our Smart Talk event, Empowering Discussions for Artists. We have them at our partner's venue, the Helms Bakery District, and their design center there in Culver City, if you guys are familiar. Anyway, on September 24th, we had three panels and we recorded, filmed and recorded all of the topics and we're going to be making them available online soon. We had three panels. We had how to successfully launch collectible art toys, which was very cool. We spoke to Ben Goretzky and the artist Kano. 
Ben being the founder of DesignerCon and real big collector of art toys. And then Kano being an incredible artist and designer and maker of art toys. So we talked about that on one panel. Very, very cool. And that's coming soon. We also talked about the long overdue and beautiful rise of BIPOC artists in the primary art market. Is it a sincere and permanent correction or cynical opportunism? by art dealers, you know, that's a mouthful, heavy stuff. And it was, but it was rich and it was so powerful and deep. And I learned so much. Our panel was comprised of some brilliant folks from different aspects of the art world. We had April Banks, the artist. We had Badir McCleary, the art critic. We had Sarah Matilla Griffin, the art dealer, and myself. And they schooled this white boy on this very important, complicated issue. And that was fantastic. And we'll be sharing that soon as well. But we also had a third panel, which I wanted to kick off Smart Talks with. I felt it was our first kind of event since COVID. And for whatever reason, I just had this deep conviction that it would be disingenuous of us to sort of kick off our new kind of educational series without addressing the elephant in the room of the last few years, which is trauma. And we've been traumatized, all of us, whether we realize it or not, 2020 and the pandemic and the quarantine, to say nothing of the political and social you know, justice or injustice issues that, you know, and the January 6th debacle, you know, so the last few years have been crazy, you know, traumatic, whether we realize it or not. And so I wanted to talk about the elephant in the room. And so I wanted on September 24th, our very first panel to sort of explore who we are now and discuss trauma and, you know, and how it impacts us as artists, you know, and our creative process and just, you know, be honest about what we've been through and talk about who are we now and what have we learned and are we stronger now for it? Are we better now for it? And God forbid it all happens again or it happens again someday. But what if it does happen again and trauma happen. Well, trauma is going to happen regardless. But, you know, how can we better deal with trauma moving forward? And so I wanted to take that head on. And I moderated a panel with two experts in trauma, Dr. Kim Cookson and Eric Weiss. And we, you know, took this thing on given the tumult of the last 24 months, you know, we're changed people and artists. What do we learn? How do we best process the impact of the pandemic and where do we go from here? And it was a little bit of a collective therapy session, but I think the audience really appreciated it. And I know I did. I got a lot out of it. And I think you will, too. That's what today's show is. I'm going to release the audio today and you can hear this conversation and hopefully get something out of it yourself, because, you know, I don't know if you've ever done therapy or not. I have. It has proven helpful for me to process some trauma in my life. But this was kind of an open group kind of session, therapy session. And I think, you know, mental health is so important, as we've learned, you know, the hard way, I think, over the last, you know, 50 years. But it's not so taboo anymore, right? Like, it's very socially acceptable now to talk about mental health and mental illness and what can we do. And so I think you're going to love this conversation. Dr. Kim Cookson, She has a private practice here in L.A. and she focuses on integrative relational therapy and trauma treatment. She founded the Trauma and Resiliency Training and Services Program at the Southern California Counseling Center in 2012. And she is still the director to this day. Kim is a facilitator and trainer for the Trauma Resource Institute in the Community Resilience Model. She's traveled all over the world and taught and consulted and trained and treated you know, people around trauma. 
And, you know, she's just fantastic. Our other speaker was Eric Weiss. Eric is a somatically oriented psychotherapist based in L.A. He's trained in EMDR, a sensory motor psychotherapy, internal family systems, interanalytic couples and sex therapy. He obtained a master's degree in clinical psychology from Antioch University and a master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. My old job. Wow. Such a smart guy. And this was wonderful. He's actually a, a former actor. Eric specialized in trauma using combination modalities to answer the client's experience at the intersection of the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. But his background was entertainment. And actually, he was an agent, a casting director, and a voiceover director, acting coach. So he's an artist at his core who eventually got into care delivery, which is wonderful. So today's conversation is literally a recording of our Smart Talk on September 24th, where we talked to Dr. Kim Cookson and Eric Weiss about trauma and creativity and to figure out who we are now and how do we move forward in health and wellness in our lives, given the crazy world we live in. So I guess without further ado, let's get into this episode. And I hope you get a lot out of it. Please call our hotline and let us know what your thoughts were. 833-668-7325, 833-668-7325. Leave us a message. Tell us what you learned. Tell us what you got out of it. So without further ado, let's hear our smart talk from September 24th. Who are we now? Artists discuss COVID and creativity with Dr. Kim Cookson and Eric Weiss. Thanks, guys. Stay tuned. And here we go. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming today on this beautiful Saturday morning. I know it's... One of those deals, you're like, why 10 a.m. on a Saturday? I was asking myself the same thing. <laughs> but we're going to have a great program today, and I'm so grateful that you guys are here. I want to introduce myself and say just a couple words before we get going. I am Scott Sourdough Power, and I produce this event. My company, Crew West Studio, specializes in producing arts programming, and our passion is supporting artists, elevating artists, and empowering artists. So we want to create this program to do just that. And I think we've got some really interesting topics to cover today. We have three panels, multiple experts and artists to take on these topics that I think are going to be of great relevance and interest to you all. But before we begin, I just want to point out a couple of things. I hope everybody got your little program agenda that's up at the front desk on the back. There is a, the last page, there's an attendee survey. We love to hear what you think, you know, what did you enjoy, what could we do better, that kind of thing. So feel free to take some time to fill this out at some point, whether you stay all day or leave early, please just fill this out and drop it off at the front desk or leave it on your chair, we'll pick it up. Thank you for that. Also, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to have you guys tell us how you heard about us. It's important to understand what's effective in terms of marketing and promotion. You know, did you hear about us on social? Did you, uh, did, did a friend tell you that kind of thing? We would love to know how you heard about our events at some point. And then lastly, last but not least, I have several people to thank for pulling this off. And I really wanna communicate my gratitude for the generosity and the support of our partners and our sponsors. First of all, I wanna thank Angela Anthony of Helms. Angela, thank you so much for making this happen with us. We've been talking about this for a while now, and here we are, after all. 
I also want to shout out to Jim Clark at Culver Arts Foundation. Jim is a big fan of what we're doing and his organization. We're a big fan of his organization. And so we've collaborated on some things in the past and they're supporting this event in any number of ways. And so I want to shout out to Culver Arts. If you don't know them, please follow. There's some information in the program. Please support their organization as well, if and when you can. And big shout out to Jim. I think he's going to be here later, which is wonderful. I want a big thanks shout out to my colleague, Wendy Marabella, who from Moondance, who put all this together, and my colleague, Hans Fielerstadt, and his crew for making all of this happen. And last but not least, I want to thank, of course, you guys for showing up. And I want to thank our speakers who are taking time out of their busy schedules to come and share with us today. And so, Without further ado, I want to explain just a little bit about Smart Talks and introduce our first speakers. As I said earlier, our passion is to help empower artists. We believe that professional development, continuing education is really important in a dynamic society and a dynamic marketplace. Things are very fluid these days, things are moving. There are interesting topics that pop up that we want to take on. There are always kind of evergreen topics that are important to kind of address. So we thought Smart Talks would be a fun way to conveniently, efficiently address some of these things in real time. Obviously, we're grateful to our patron as well who helped make this event free to us to attend. And so the fact that we could share educational programming that would help empower you as artists is really important to us. So Smart Talks, which we intend for it to be an ongoing monthly thing, we hope you come back. This will be a way for us to deliver relevant educational programming that helps us continue to get better in our careers and our lives. And so that's sort of the inspiration for Smart Talks and we wanted to share that with you. And so without further ado, I wanna introduce our first two speakers, Dr. Kim Cookson and Eric Weiss is gonna join me here on stage. I'm gonna take my phone out because it feels weird in my pocket. Hi guys, Hey, come on up. So I've been wanting to have this conversation for a really long time and I sort of felt like it was disingenuous of us to start a new event and start talking about fun things like making art toys and you know how to you know sell more art, if you will, without talking about the elephant in the room. And for me, the elephant in the room is the trauma of the last three years. I would felt that it would be disingenuous for us to sort of jump in as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> We're all changed people in many different ways. And so I wanted to honor, you know, the trauma. I wanted to honor the people that have been so negatively impacted by, you know, it was a very uneven trauma. Some people lost loved ones. I know people who lost people and we've all been touched in different ways. So I felt like it was really important for us to address the trauma, address the elephant in the room and talk about the basic question, who are we now? Right. I was saying earlier when we were talking that I keep catching myself thinking about things through a pre-COVID lens. And I realized, wait, the, the land has shifted beneath our feet. You know, I'm not the same person. You're not the same person. We're changed people. And I think sometimes there's this urge, I think rightly, to sort of get back to normal. Well, what does that mean? You know, the it is not there is no getting back to normal. There's a new normal, which is where we are now. And as artists, I think you know, it was very interesting to talk to so many artists I know, you know, some had a great pandemic. They saw sales go up, you know, suddenly people were in their homes 
looking at their walls and the same art they've had for years. And they thought, boy, I want to change that up. And so they started buying art. It was interesting to, because I've talked to some artists who actually mm -hmm. did well financially mm -hmm. through this. But of course, I talked to other artists who were hugely traumatized, if not you know, injured or lost a family member, so on and so forth. So I thought it was really important for us to address this issue head on and just talk about trauma, talk about how we process this and what it means for us and our creativity as artists. And, you know, Kim, I know you were once an artist. You're going to be a performance artist, I believe, correct? For a brief period brief of time. Period. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. And talk about your practice a little bit before we jump in. Well, I am a trauma specialist and I, let's see, I founded a program at the Southern California Counseling Center that was a training about trauma and resiliency where we taught EMDR and some somatic training. And I did that for 10 years and now I'm kind of moving into other areas, but I have a private practice and I specialize in treating trauma and also supporting resiliency. So I look at the world with sort of a somatic and a way of sort of looking at the body and what happens to us when we're feeling traumatized, what happens to us under stress, how that affects us in a biological way, and ways that we can sort of mitigate those effects, notice, track those effects, mm -hmm. and have ways to regulate ourselves, basically. Sure. Yeah. Eric, you also practice somatic therapy, correct? Yeah. Now, explain to us a little bit about what somatic therapy is. The way I would look at it is it's a focus on the nervous system. And I think, you know, in past therapies, it's been very cognitive. And, you know, cognitive is important. But, you know, like everyone's sitting wherever you are in the room right now, right? You all made a choice to sit right there because in a way there's a felt sense of this feels like the best place for me to be in this room in this moment, right? That's your nervous system telling you this feels like I can rest here as much as I can. And so when we start to understand that that's always happening and to pay attention to that and how then can we work with our nervous system to help cue that, hey, we're okay, yeah. that's going to then influence and shift you know, cognition. And so I'm a very much of a bottom-up kind of way of working. So that's what they mean by somatic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it's safe to say then, I guess, if I'm tracking, <laughs> that, you know, COVID and the, and the pandemic was traumatic because it was a shock to the nervous system. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, suddenly, you know, we had a lifestyle, we had a rhythm, we had a way of being, a way of moving in the world, a way of living in the world. And then suddenly we were told that we couldn't do that anymore. And we had to go into our houses for the sake of the commonwealth and the common good and to keep people safe. And so suddenly we were then quarantined and life turned upside down. And whether we realize it or not, in the moment, we were being traumatized. We were in trauma. Is that correct? I would say that once you sort of settle into the idea that it's not safe out there, you know, that I really have to put on a mask to be safe then that sort of basic sense of safety that we sort of rely on, on in a day-to-day -day basis is shifted. You know, so that affects our nervous system, that affects our stress levels. So whether we're walking around traumatized, some people are, some people are not, but everyone is working under a new level of stress. They're having to negotiate a new reality. And as you were saying, like as habits change, that's stressful too. As where you're living changes, that's stressful too. Not having as much social engagement, that's stressful too. So there were a lot of stressors that kind of built up. And then how this is affecting your vocation, whatever it is, in a positive, some for few, but mostly, you know, not such a great way, especially for artists 
when you can't meet in groups, et cetera. And then also how it's affecting you in terms of losses. You mentioned also earlier, like what are your own personal experiences and also of loss of grief and of seeing what's happening in the general society with loss and grief. It was a lot to deal with and still is. Yeah. Well, Eric, in terms of your own practice, you know, talk a little bit about what you witnessed and what you saw. Because I mean, one of the things that struck me about the last few years is that it was a very uneven kind of experience. You know, essential workers had a very different reality than folks who could work from home on Zoom and not have to go out into the world. And so it's a bit of a disconnect between saying to some people, oh, stay away, you know, you could be, you know, contaminated with the virus. But oh, by the way, you go to work because you're an essential worker. You know, Eric, talk a little bit about how you might have seen that in your own practice and some of your clients and sort of how that shaped them and what you were seeing. Yeah, you know, on one level, because like, if there's a car accident, we all know like there's a huge shock to the system. It's a very much of an, you know, I'm okay one minute, the next minute I'm not. And with COVID, other than like, oh, we're shutting down, it's so subtle. And it went on for two and a half years. And so it's hard to go, Oh, that right there. For mm -hmm. Some people, yeah, it was that. But for a lot of people, so for me, like when I'm working with my clients, I realized that, you know, they have their normal kind of, their nervous systems responding the way it normally does. And then with COVID, it would just start to amplify more. Like, so like the hard times were a little harder and the anxiety was a little bigger. And so in a way, it's like, you know, the boiling frog in the water. Like it doesn't know that it's boiling until it's too late. The same thing that with my clients, it kind of crept up on them. And the next thing you know, crisis. And like, what's going on? Where did that come from? And I think it's that slow drip, drip, drip that I find most of my clients kind of, when I think back on like the trajectory, it felt very kind of gradual for them. Yeah. Well, in terms of artists, right? Because that's, you know, <laughs> our audience is filled with them. And, you know, and it was so interesting to the, you know, so many of the artists that I know as well, you know, watching this happen to them. And if you were an actor on Broadway and suddenly your play is shut down and you just can't perform anymore, or you're a musician in a band and you can't tour, you can't perform, or whether you're an artist who'd been working for two years for a one-person show exhibition at a gallery that you were waiting your whole career for, then suddenly that doesn't happen. Or you're the class of 2020 and you can't even go to your own graduation after you know going to high school for all these years. I mean, you know, in artists, I think in many ways, in depending on what kind of art you practice as well, it was a different experience, right? So, you know, to what extent are your clients, you know, artists, and to what extent do you think this, the trauma generally, I guess, impacts creativity and how we can be creative? And suddenly when we can't be creative or we can't, you know, provide our gifts to the world, and that's traumatizing as well, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, even if, for example, I have a client who is an actor and he had to go to a different state. He was lucky in that pretty early on they had a kind of a closed bubble system, mm -hmm. but he could not leave or no one could come and visit him for seven months. So for seven months, he had a group that was the group that was making this show but he had no contact outside of that, and he's in a city he doesn't know. So, you know, that is one kind of a challenge. So he's lucky, he's working, but he is taken away from his whole community and his family and his friends and loved ones. So that's one kind of a trauma, right? But in terms of the overall sense of the way this worked, I've found there are some writers, as Eric was saying earlier, there are some writers who were 
to have that ability to cocoon was really helpful to them. Right. And then I have another writer who always worked in cafes. That was his place. It was like hearing the noise, hearing the stuff. He could just focus in in a different way. And that was gone. Yeah. You know, so the challenges were so different for everyone in terms of the way that they make their art and the way that they are more introverted, more extroverted. You know, it affected people really differently. You know, and just to add on to that, you know, when I think of trauma, I think of like, you know, you have a house and there's a foundation or there's, it has supports. Mm -hmm. And we, before COVID, we're going along life and the house is being supported because there's enough supports. And all of a sudden with COVID, these supports one by one get taken away. And all of a sudden, next thing, the house is unstable and it's falling yeah. over and people are going, whoa, now we have a problem. Yeah. And, you know, like I had a musician, the whole house got taken out. He really just, he was really having a hard time. Yeah. And so, you know, when we get, you know, we talked briefly before about post-traumatic growth. Yes. And I think one of the, you know, I hate to go silver lining on stuff like that because, you know, it's just difficult. But a lot of times we don't really recognize what's important to us until it's gone. And now that we know what is important, oh, we can be more explicit. We can be more like conscious about, no, I need to be, have people around. I need to go to that cafe. That really nourishes me. My nervous system can settle in the right way for that. And so mm -hmm. in a way it becomes, oh, I'm more aware of what I need now. And if I'm more aware of it, then I'm more likely maybe I can go like get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I find that. Helpful. And even in the course of this last two and a half years, people have discovered inner resources for helping themselves get through it. So whether, wow, I never used to jog, but I do now. I never appreciated walking on the beach, but that's one place I can feel safe, you know, or taking a hike or, you know, whatever it might be, finding or, you know, using an app that has mindfulness mm -hmm. or different kinds of meditations, mm -hmm. visualizations. I've found that these things are really helpful to me. So people have found their way to resilience and resources in getting through, you know, these really the burdens, I would say, of COVID. Right, right. You know, for so many people, this was their first real trauma in life, I think, you know, and that was part of it. So do you have the muscles, the skill set, the tools to be able to navigate? So many people didn't. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, talking about post-traumatic growth, I mean, is the implication of that, that this was an opportunity for us to, you know, we were able to, to get through it and stay healthy for us to grow somehow. And I guess that's a personal choice as well. Right. I mean, do you take responsibility for your resilience, for your, you know, well-being? And I, a lot of people maybe don't even prioritize their well-being. Hopefully they do now and hopefully they do eventually if not now but you know i've just felt like speaking for myself i mean you know i was caught flat-footed now what you know mm -hmm. and you know we talk about i'm bouncing around a little bit but we talk about artists I mean, there's so many different kinds of art and so many kinds of artistry i mean you think about a chef you know how many restaurants got mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. were just put out of business right and so you know be you know having the wherewithal you know, to navigate these shifting sands. God forbid it ever happens again in our lifetimes. But, you know, what do we do next time? You know, are we going to be better prepared for it? You know, the way I would answer that, and this kind of ties into like resiliency and, and artists, it's like, you know, there's that story of Meryl Streep that like when she would do a line, she would have like 20 different ways of working with that line, mm -hmm. 20 different actions. And like most actors might only have like three. Mm -hmm. And so for her, her ability to adapt and adjust to go whichever which way, she was never stuck. She always had like a lot of different resources and a lot of different ways to go. And like with artists, you know, a lot of times like, you know, we're never without constraint. 
and we can complain about the constraint. It's like, oh, I hate the constraint. And, but there is an opportunity not to be so kind of like silver lining, but sometimes if we take away our first choice, it forces us to have to go to second choices and third choices. Right. And without having that constraint, we would never get to that. And when we get to that, there's a whole new deeper level of like experiencing and understanding and creativity being expanded that is really beautiful. And in the same way with how we get through life, it's like, oh, well, I never knew that I have the strength or that this was really important to me. And now I'm really going to like expand on that. So, yeah, I'm sort of reminded of that old quote about, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, right? I mean, yeah. And, and it's not, kind of and, it, yeah, and to bit. say, yeah, and to say opportunity feels a little like, no, I yeah. would rather not take that. That's, it doesn't right, right, feel, right. I mean, right. I will work with this right. and something came out of it that was great, but like, that wasn't my first choice. Right, right. Let's sort of pivot just a little bit. I want to talk about how trauma impacts creativity, you know, psychologically and just, you know, maybe even physiologically. You know, we talk a little bit about how trauma might impact process, right? So if you are an artist and you're, for example, a writer and you're part of your process is going to that cafe and suddenly you can't go, you know, your process is fundamentally impacted. And so, and for some artists who never leave the studio, maybe it was just fine for them, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, talk a little bit about, if you can, trauma's impact on creativity. I think in some ways it's helpful to talk a little bit about the nervous system here. Yes, okay. In the sense of, if you think about like your day-to-day -day life, and as you go through your day-to-day -day life, if you think about this as a zone between my two arms, and this could be considered like your resilient zone. Mm -hmm. Some people call it the window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. I like the resilient zone. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that zone, it's not like a Zen place. It's like you can be happy, you can be frustrated, you can be sad. You have a whole range of emotions, but you're also in a relational zone in here, mm -hmm. and you can sort of look to others, you can interact with other people. Mm -hmm. What happens with high stressful situations is that you can get bumped out of that zone. Mm -hmm. So you can get bumped out high, mm -hmm. and you can go into rage or panic or you know high levels of irritation, mm -hmm. whatever, or you can get bumped down low into depression, sadness, wanting to isolate, so the problem is when you're in those bumped out areas, you're not actually relational anymore. Mm -hmm. So just when you kind of need help, because like something has impacted you to bump you out, you're not really in a relational place. I think people can remember a time when they were really angry, let's say, and all you want to do is tell a person how angry you are and why, and they've got to get it. And you can't really hear another point of view right? Or when you're really depressed and sad, you pull back into yourself and you're not available to your friends for whatever is going on with them because you are so deeply impacted by your emotional experience. So this relates to art in that usually, not that one can't have a blast of inspiration in an unusual place, but generally speaking, we need to be in our best selves to be as creative as we can be, mm. to have everything available to us yes. in our creativity. Right. So one of the challenges of COVID is a lot of people got bumped out and finding their own ways to get back into that zone and whether it's a physical or a emotional or therapy or a close friend or different habits that they have to create mm -hmm. that support their resilience, once they're back in the zone, they're back in touch mm -hmm. with their creativity. But that's the challenge. Right. That is a challenge. And the more you get out of the window, the more I would look at it as like, you, know, you have a car and you have an accelerator. And let's say the accelerator is your creativity and your access to it. The more you're getting out of that window, 
you just have less accelerator. Yeah. So you might be able to work, but you're not working. You don't have that full capacity to really engage and with all of your abilities. Well, I'm remembering you know this notion of flow, right? So mm -hmm. you know yeah, we talk right. about creative flow and sort of getting into a flow state where you can create and you can be inspired and you can be productive. And what I'm hearing, I think, if I'm tracking, is that you know the flow, uh, that creative flow, may only be possible within that middle zone. That when you're kicked out and you're enraged or you're kick low and you're depressed, I mean, how are you going to find that creative flow? Right. Yep. Yeah. And like, you know, Winnicott, you know, this 1950s, very, you know, his thing was like, you know, my purpose is to help people go on being, mm. which is like, we want to be in the flow state and trauma is inherently, I can't go on being because I'm so worried about something that's happening. I am so concerned about not being okay here that I can't focus on anything else. So yeah, absolutely. I love how you put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And he was also about creativity. Oh, right. It was yeah. all about play. creativity and, and play. play. Yeah, because right. kids so, yeah, kids learn how to play only when they're safe. They're not playing when they're freaked out. No. Well, and that's an interesting segue into the use of art, like art therapy or creativity and how professional therapists, what have you, care delivery system might use, you know, art, you know, making of art, creative exercises as a way of helping people deal with their trauma. And you know, so talk a little bit about that. Talk about, and maybe this is a little bit out of your, you know, sort of range of expertise, but, you know, how might artists use art to care for themselves and treat themselves and get back to that flow state? Because it feels like, you know, art is used to help people process trauma. I would say that, you know, depending on the kind of art that you make, mm -hmm. if you can find a way to be as unconscious about it as possible, mm it can help to open up those channels. So for example, in some of the art therapy I've done, it's not always like if you're using artist materials, it's more about just use any of these materials in any way that just comes to you. It doesn't have to depict anything in particular. It can be whatever it wants to be. Mm -hmm. Or if you're working in writing, for example, it would be journaling, just write whatever is in your mind. Don't try to structure it, just get it down on paper. Because once you get something down on paper, then you can sit back at some point and read it mm -hmm. and have a relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And what you're writing down spontaneously can also be coming sometimes from the unconscious, mm -hmm. sometimes from the conscious. Mm -hmm. And that it's sort of that unconscious world is the thing that sometimes works in miraculous ways mm -hmm. when it gets expressed. So even in colors on a page, right, or in whatever ideas are coming. It can be that expression that needs somehow to get out to release some of the stress to allow you to regulate more. So I just say the more you can find your way to doing it or spontaneous movement, you know, unconstructed movement, mm -hmm. you know, to find ways to have these kind of releases in a way. And to take it the other way of, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times, a lot of us came to art because what was happening in the moment, we'll just say as little kids, was so not okay that we needed to go somewhere. And we're either going to check out, like dissociate, or we're going to like funnel it into something creative, like, you know, writers or whatever. And so that becomes refuge. And what that's doing is, oh, I'm now focusing my mind, my observing self, my best self is now being focused and funneled into this. And by definition, that means I'm not focused on just being like checked out or sitting in pain and I can like go somewhere. And that ability to shift and focus in and of itself is going to help get you into flow. That's fascinating. It's sort of like the escape hatch, 
right? Oh, like, totally. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, that really resonated because I sort of remembered my own life, you know, like, you know, being pissed off about something, you know, and just get my sketchbook and draw. Mm-hmm. And that was an escape mm-hmm. patch, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess we, when you have a new environment like we had, it's sort of, you lose your orientation. It's like, oh shit, where's my escape hatch? You know, mm-hmm. like where, and by the way, did I mention you can use profanity in oh. this panel? Oh. Oh. Now you tell uh, me. Right, right, right. Now, shit. Yeah, Why yeah, did you see, wait so long? I should, have, I should have told you 20 minutes ago. Anyway, um, so yes, we're all adults. Anyway, so yeah, so you're disoriented, right? The ground has shifted. Suddenly your escape hatch isn't where it was. It's over here maybe, but you got to find it, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways, you know, talk a little bit about the kind of tactics the kinds of exercises that people can do to reorient themselves and find where that escape hash might be? I would say one kind of day-to-day thing that can be really helpful is that, you know, our brains have a negativity bias. And with COVID, you know, there's been a lot of negativity to sort of focus on, a lot of worry to focus on. And that's helped us survive as human beings that we look for the problems. Yes. The problem is that our minds can just stay with the problems and then we really can become dysregulated. So I think in our day-to-day lives, if we really focus and take in positive moments and positive moments, there's a wonderful TED talk by Rick Hansen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Hardwiring Happiness. I recommend it. It's 20 minutes. But at any rate, what he talks about, and I think it's really meaningful, is that you can, if you take a moment, like a positive moment in your life, the first sip of coffee in the morning, or you wake up and you're lying in bed and you realize, hey, I'm not in pain today, or you get up and the sun is shining, you're like, that is a beautiful day. Usually we would just think that and it would just sort of, we'd move on. But if you really immerse yourself in these moments, you actually create new brain pathways that represent those moments. And if you stay with those moments, a minimum, he says of 12 seconds, I kind of like to think, take five or six slow, deep breaths as you're in that moment, really noticing like what you see, what you hear, what the textures are, if there are any other elements that really strike you then you create new neural networks around a positive or even a neutral moment. And that starts to create more balance in the brain. That starts to create because you're consciously putting that circuitry into your brain. Whereas unconsciously, a nice moment goes by, but we don't register it the same way. Right, right. And the little phrase I've always loved is, you know, if we're experiencing our experience, chances are this is happening. And that's always a nice way for me to kind of, oh, yeah, let me like be present to what is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I want to address, because, you know, let's face it, right, given socioeconomic challenges that people are facing these days in this country, and of course, artists feel the brunt of that. Most artists live below poverty level, and it's very difficult to support their lives with their art. Maybe they have a full-time job or doing something else, but you know, therapy, for example, it becomes a luxury that we simply can't afford. You know, a good therapist, you know, might you know, charge $100, $150 an hour or more. So maybe therapy's out of reach, right, economically mm-hmm. for people. What can people do? What are some of the, you know, inexpensive or free things that people should be considering as a way to help regulate and manage, you know, the trauma that they might be experiencing if they can't afford a therapist? Mm-hmm. There are apps that you can download that are free. Mm-hmm that have, what is it, is it 
Insight uh, Timer oh, is one that I just comes to mind right now where they have visualizations, they have meditations, they have loving kindness meditations, mm -hmm. all kinds of different things for different periods of time with different voices. Mm -hmm. So you can play in those kinds of apps to see what calls to you, mm -hmm. what you like. Do I like a visualization? Do I want to do a body relaxation? Mm -hmm. Do I want to do loving kindness? And you can learn some of these skills. And as you learn them, you can use them yourself because they're very highly regulating. Mm -hmm. So that's one area. Mm -hmm. Another area is there are counseling centers that are sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So many of them in LA, including Southern California, Maple Counseling Center, Airport Marina, there's a whole bunch of places and, you know, across the country, you look for places with a sliding scale that really actually do slide mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. to really welcome the community. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit of an introvert, mm -hmm. and so the thing I'm about to say is like, I, you know, no, but like being involved in a group with it's like-minded, mm -hmm. like if you're an artist, find like the artist group, you know, or if it's a writer, get in a writer's group or like take a class, just something to like, so you're not alone and then you get that kind of feedback. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time with a men's group. I never thought I would ever do that. It's transformative and it was free. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, group is powerful. Right. So don't forget, like, and even group therapy could be a lot cheaper. Fellowship. Yeah, yeah fellowship. You know, I've also right. like-minded people that sure. are there to, like, right. we're here with a common purpose. Right. That is so, you get to ride that wave of, like, that energy. Mm -hmm. What about things like, I mean, it would seem that, because I know it works for me, so <laughs> sort of plugging my own therapies, I guess, but a nice long walk outside. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, try to get a small jog in, you know, mm -hmm. getting out of doors mm -hmm. for me personally is huge and it doesn't cost anything. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So many people have found relief in just being in nature and whatever that is for them, mm -hmm. whether it's the mm -hmm. beach or the mm -hmm. hills or getting out to the desert, right. sort of breaking up that I'm stuck between four walls kind of feeling. Right. I think any kind of it's kind of like noticing the things that bring you a sense of joy or satisfaction and really promoting that for yourself. Yes. You know, so you might be thinking, you know, I'm not really a cook, but I've always wanted to learn to cook. So maybe I will check right. out some videos right. and try some stuff right. or, yeah, I'm just, that comes to mind, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned the apps. I mean, again, personal story, but I had flirted with meditation off and on for years, but never really took it seriously. But when the pandemic hit, I realized, that I, A, I was traumatized and under a lot of stress, and I needed a tool that would help me. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that I had a little more time on my hands than normal. And so I finally embraced meditation. Mm -hmm. And boy, I mean, I can tell you that it truly has made a difference in my life. And mm -hmm. of course, you know, I couldn't have imagined the curveballs that came at me, not the least of which was the death of my father. And so meditation absolutely helped me deal with all of that, mm -hmm. you know, and it was free. Mm -hmm. It was free. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but it took intention. It took my, you know, my sort of agency, you know, taking responsibility for that. Right. And absolutely. so I'm just, you know, I just want to share that too, because whether it's a long walk or a free app, or, you know, finally, you know, trying that jogging routine you know, mm -hmm, that you've mm -hmm. been putting off. These things really, really help. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of alluding, we're all kind of pointing obliquely in like this realm of like when we get to transcend ourselves in nature or meditation. I mean, then there's that whole level of spirituality. And 
people find refuge in spirituality because we get to like tap into something that's bigger than ourselves. Yes, yes. You know? So there's that layer too. For sure. Well, I tell you what, I am so grateful that you guys came today to talk about this very important topic because, you know, whether, you know, God forbid we have another pandemic, but trauma's all around all the time, you know? And so being, having the tools, having some guidance around how to, you know, manage it in real time, life is hard. <laughs> life is difficult. There's no way around it. And being able to understand that there are resources, no matter where you're at socioeconomically, that there are also resources that can help you. And so I wanted to have this conversation because I feel like it was just really important for us to kind of level set, address the elephant in the room, and so that we could almost give ourselves permission to move on and talk about some of the fun stuff and we can kind of continue to heal and move forward. You know, before we wrap up, I do want to take a few minutes to open up the conversation. If anybody has any questions or anybody wants to comment, please don't hesitate because we have two experts here who are happy to field any questions that you might have and no pressure either, but you know, feel free to raise your hand. We have a microphone and we'd love to talk about anything that's on your mind. Yes, sir. Let's get your mic. Yeah. Perfect. Excuse me for being late, but I just wanted to get a reminder of the experts for their background so I could prepare a question for them. If that's sure, okay. sure. Well, we need to get you one of these because oh, the, okay. the files are in there and that will help you get the background. Thank on you. The, yes, yes. Okay, well, I'll open up some money. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Any other questions or? Yes, Angela. So many of us were driven into isolation during COVID. Our only connection was Zoom and, you know, trying to find ways to connect with people. So now we're all back. And a lot of us are really comfortable in that sort of distanced, isolated world. How do we help people sort of re-engage with the world and get back out? Because it was a long time. So your pathways have changed in your brain. This is comfortable now. Like what, how do we help people get back out into the world? I think it's really baby steps. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, you don't want to just leave this comfort zone that you've created that's really gotten you through. You know, so, but also knowing and sort of remembering the value of that sort of more person-to-person -person social engagement. So I think, you know, you take it in little steps, you do it as you can, you know, whether it's the grocery store, some people really did not go out at all, you know, or whether it's just, I'll meet a friend at the beach, if that feels the most comfortable thing, or I'll meet in a park, or whatever it might be, or maybe I'll chance sitting in a restaurant or a cafe outside or whatever it might be, you know, to just take small steps so that your nervous system gets to re-regulate to, because part of what your nervous system learned is that it's dangerous to do that stuff. So it can take a little while to reprogram. Like it's not, well, I can't say the danger is completely over, but it's a different scene now than it was then in the very beginning. First of all, like, oh, of course, first of all, that makes sense. So just to, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. the fancy word is normalize it. So that's not a weird feeling, like naturally. And then the next thing I would say is, you know, also in our business, you know, there's a little phrase of, you know, we like to have people safe, but not too safe. And so there is a little bit of, okay, let's just, it's going to be a little bit of like a push, little, not too much, just what you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, but it is probably going to, you will be riding that wave of, okay, this feel, I should be okay with this, but I'm not. And that's interesting. And the more like we slowly move in, expand mm -hmm. that boundary, then Oh, we settle. Oh, we're okay. And then we can, so it's just like you were saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I really appreciate that question because we were talking earlier because I catch myself thinking about, you know, life through a pre-COVID lens and I'm reminded, wait a minute, you know, we hear people talk about, I want to get back to normal. Well, there's no going back to the way we were. This, we have to be honest and recognize that this is a new normal and to sort of act like or disregard or be in denial of that is sort of the beginning of, you know, traumatizing yourself again, right? Mm -hmm. On some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. You know, I'm so grateful. Any other questions before we wrap up and move on to our next panel? I'm so grateful. I thought this was, you know, this was an important palate cleanser, if you will, <laughs> for me anyway, in terms that I hope everyone here, because, you know, we are change people. It is a new world. And what we've been through is sort of unprecedented. And so it was important for us to, I think, talk about the elephant in the room so we can move forward and with respect and honor what we've been through, but also continue to heal and grow in a healthy way. So Eric, thank Kim, you. thank you so much. You're very thank welcome. Thank you. All right, thank cheers. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi Deloro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.